Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Soulbox Radio presents Evolve with your host, Robin White Turtle Disney. Hi, this is Robin White Turtle Disney, and the show is Evolve. And my guest today is Dr. Wendy Trainer. She's a speaker, an author, a coach, a healer, and a teacher who weaves science and spirit into her work and programs. Dr. Trainer's work has been featured on Psychology Today, uh, Success Magazine, and on CBS TV in the United States. She is career survivor and thriver. <laughs> And uh, or cancer survivor and thriver, and has I also survived my career. Yeah, <laughs> and has presented worldwide for over ten years. Most recently in the U.S. Um, so I'm so grateful to have you here, Wendy. Thank you, Dr. Trainer. So thank you so much for um, being my guest today. So welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So you were a cancer survivor, and among other things. Um, and I know you've developed a really great program. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing? Yeah, wow, I'd love to share what I'm doing. So I have used the needle and thread of logic um, to sew together patches of research, foundational research in my field, which is social psychology. I was trained as a social psychologist, mm. a social scientist. Mm-hmm. Um, I studied emotion, thought, behavior, depression, social influence, and now... Uh, I've sewed together all these patches into an overarching quilt of understanding that mirrors the tenets of spiritual truth. So it's really exciting because it gives us an understanding of what spirituality is and why it works and why, you know, why we need love and how we search for love and why we search for love in the wrong places and where we can really find it. And it also points to, you know, what the key to happiness is, which is self-love, which in my book, in the 2009 book, I've written two books. One is called The Gift of Cancer, which I published in 2014. The other is Towards a General Theory of Social Psychology in 2009. And in that book, I, I talk about how self-realization or soul realization enables us to have self-love because when we realize the truth of who we are, which we can only do once we've stripped away everything that's false, right, through the practice of meditation, Mm -hmm. because meditation allows us to reconnect with, to reactivate, or to really to reclaim our basic state, which is the truth of who we are and all that is. Right. And once we realize the truth of who we are and all that is, we can't help but love ourselves. And once we love ourselves, you know, I, I equate self-love with self-acceptance. And maybe I shouldn't do this, but I do it because to accept what is, is to accept love, is to love. Because love mm-hmm. is all that really is. Exactly. So, yeah, so, so <laughs> self-acceptance is self-love because yeah. we are love. And um, so... So once we learn to accept ourselves, we genuinely have genuine self-acceptance, then it doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter if our relatives or our sister or brother rejects us because we already know that we're whole as we are. Right. And we stop judging ourselves according to social standards because we realize that social uh, standards are, are, are relative. They're fluctuating we want to base our self-understanding on the unchanging, on the eternal, right. on the true. And right. we do that by making the non-social uh, what I call our reference group. And I define a reference group as the group whose standards we use as our own. Because unlike the social world, when we ground our self-understanding on the eternal, on truth, there is no judgment, there are no standards, there is unconditional love and acceptance, and there's unending joy. Right. So it, that it's amazing. So you get a treasure map to happiness through this I Can Heal framework that I present um, in my talks and seminars and in my retreats. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Well, and self-love, of course, I, you, don't, you may not know this about me, but that is a, a big topic of what I'm doing, too, is focused on self-love. And I have a process that I use called Heart Path, which does a very similar thing. So 
and it's it's based on bodhicitta so it's based on you know bringing those issues up to our heart and loving them until they're surrendered to the divine light that we are which is the true self our true self which is the unconditional loving self and it releases all those conditions and all those things that we get from our families and yeah i know so we're on the same page we're (laughs) on the same page and it's so gorgeous and i just want to reassure any of our listeners that if you're going through a challenging time uh, emotionally especially with family during the holidays just remember that the truth of who you are is bliss is joy is eternal is love and try to remember who the who you are and the truth of all that is by 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 meditating and mm-hmm. yoga is a form of meditation as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. there are many forms of meditation. Yes. You can do seated meditation, you can do yoga, you can do those spiritual exercises, right? Those energization exercises. Mm-hmm. We can do um, even you know the book The Artist's Way. Those um, journal those what the daily morning pages right that was a form of meditation right 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 yeah yeah and they really help you to center and focus on what's important and what's essential in your own being so uh oh that's wonderful well, so you have this framework, and you do workshops, and uh, it, it sounds like it helps to shift people's identity. Is that it correct? Yes, yes, yeah. and can I speak to this? Yes, Yeah, because we really are, all of us are, even if we think we're bodies, we really are soul. We are yeah. eternal. We are consciousness, and, and because we are consciousness, when we learn about ourselves, about our true selves, we transform. Mm-hmm. So when people come to our seminars on the I Can Heal framework, they transform because they're learning about themselves and because their consciousness, the consciousness is changed, which means they're transformed, being transformed. Mm-hmm. And you, you shift from a state of fear to love or from uh, suffering to joy or from darkness to light. You know, and if you already are in a state of, you know, um, truth or, or you really can feel the true nature of your being, then you can shine your light into the hearts of other people there and help them recover their true identity. Because as you know, in the social world, we have a false mask, a false identity, a false sense of who we are. The social world tells us we're the mother or the husband or the wife or the cook or the CEO. And these are all just roles we play. They're not our true essence, which is the truth of who we are. So once we can rip off that fake social mask and reclaim the truth of our true identity, which is love, then we can feel the joy, the bliss, and the peace that we are. Yes, it's so true. So I'm so excited about what you're doing. So, So tell us a little bit about why you're doing this, because obviously you have a, a, this is, this is a very deep, uh, experience of your own transformation that had to take place in order for you to share this with others. Yes, that's yeah. a very good question. So, so, so there are two answers. The first is general, and then I'll give you my personal story. Right. Yeah. The general reason is to eliminate uh, suffering. I don't want people to suffer unnecessarily. I tell myself life is too short to suffer. You know, if we don't identify with our um, socially conferred mask of self, that, that false identity, if we don't identify with it, we don't suffer because if you remember the truth of who you are and all that is, you're in that light, you're in that love, and nothing can hurt you. No, Whatever people think, any insults they hurl at you, even uh, you know mean things that people might do to you, doesn't even hurt mm-hmm. when you remember and feel that truth of who you really are. And if you haven't felt it yet, just know that this interview is a call to remind you that that's ahead for you. Mm-hmm. And and today's the day you can start your spiritual practice. And meditation is what I teach as a tool for self-transformation. Mm-hmm. And for me, meditation is just, you know, can be yoga, can be, you know, silent walking in nature. But I also do a seated meditation. And, and there we get to really... Um, look at what is but as you know you can do meditation with chanting right the the humming you can do it many different ways Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so so as for my personal story the reason 
I got onto this path is because I had cancer. I wanted to end my life. I'd gotten depressed. I had been identifying with the false identity, with the false mask. The social world told me, you know, I was a psychologist and that uh, I was supposed to be a professor and I was supposed to go on the job market and get a job and be the breadwinner and play this role of, you know, an academic. And I tried as hard as I could to play that role. I applied to over a hundred jobs in my field and I didn't land one. Mm. And that would seem, you know, well, maybe I, I'm defective, but the truth is I was at, you know, the university, which is ranked number one by U.S. News and World Report for 2016. So I was at a top university. I'd worked with the top researchers in my field and I'd done the top work. You know, I had A's and A pluses as far as I can remember in my, you know, Great. So everything I'd done was the top caliber. The thing they did say I didn't do was that I hadn't published enough because I felt I needed to prioritize quality over quantity. I felt it makes no sense to publish a whole bunch of meaningless studies. I want to do something that's meaningful. And in order to do something that's meaningful, it takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And so I published meaningful studies. And what's amazing is uh, I would say, 14 years later, one of those those pieces of research I did now is over 1,500 citations. And the average number of citations I've heard is something much fewer. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. that's what. So, so at the time, you know, no one wanted to hire me because I wasn't doing what the herd was doing, what everyone else was doing. Right. But I was following my heart, which said, Wendy, do something meaningful. And then a decade later, so you only have to wait – two or one decades for the results to come. They've come. come. I'm so grateful. It only took 20 years. So, or 10 years. So, um, so anyhow, because I identified with that false identity, I, I rejected myself and my, my social circle at that time rejected me. Mm. Um, And I internalized that rejection. I, the way I understand it, I internalized social rejection into self rejection. Mm. And that understanding is not just based on my experience, but it's also based on research that I sewed together that I talked about at the beginning of our interview. Mm -hmm. And I have this new understanding of what the root of depression can be, which I am calling today. I'm calling it the social influence um, explanation of depression but there's another name for it. You can tell me which one you liked better. We could also call it the social environment explanation of depression. And what it really does is it tries to tip people off to recognize that if they're feeling sad or blue, or maybe, you know, depressed is what you're feeling. Instead of running to the pharmaceutical company to get your pills, why don't we first look at our social environment and see are people affirming us as we are? And if they're not, then it's an opportunity for us to navigate ourselves into an environment that's different mm-hmm. that's unconditionally accepting of who we authentically are right. because if people accept us as we are then we come to accept ourselves that's right and if we can't find a group that accepts us as we are well at least we can go and meditate and for me you know as i said meditation can be many different things walking in nature climbing mm-hmm. a mountain swimming in the ocean mm-hmm. you know we can meditate in so many different ways. And uh, and when we're in a place like nature, we can't help but love, you know, ourselves. That's right. Well, and, and yeah. nature has like a vibration that allows us to realign with the, our authentic self. Because here's... Doesn't it? Yeah, because here's all this abundance. I mean, you can't go to the ocean without thinking of this abundant uh, resource. Yes. And then the same with the mountains and the hills you know you see how tiny we are and how many beautiful trees and flowers have just gotten created and we had nothing to do with it and when we go there we align with our divine source again and it's just so exciting i love what you're saying and and as you're speaking it's reminding me of this article i read uh and i won't remember all the details but it was by francis steen who was a colleague of mine at ucla and it was about how when we're in nature, um, there's beauty in nature, and that that beauty has a function. That was his point. You yes. know, m- maybe most scholars would say, 
you know, beauty has no purpose, but he was saying, no, it has a purpose. And you and I know we can feel in our hearts. It has a purpose. And maybe, maybe that purpose is to recalibrate ourselves back to truth. And Francis Dean in in an article, maybe that one, maybe a different one. He Mm -hmm. also said meditation is a way of recalibrating ourselves back to our true state. Mm -hmm. So we're all in alignment here. Yeah. So you were talking about, um, Francis, Oh, Francis Dean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, he's actually, he was in communication studies and he may still be at UCLA. I've looked for him, but he's been on, you know, he's been in Europe on sabbatical. And so I haven't seen him back in LA. Uh Hopefully he'll be coming back. He's a fascinating, um, academic with very good ideas. Um, and, uh, he was also a good friend of mine and I, I still think he was brilliant and I love sharing his ideas and giving him credit for his ideas. So, um, so you yeah. were in UCLA and I and was so did a visiting did you, you, scholar at oh, UCLA. Oh, a visiting scholar. I see. Yeah, I was a visiting scholar. Now that was, was uh, just before or after you had cancer. After I had cancer. Oh. So I, I was diagnosed with cancer. I guess I should finish my cancer story. Yeah. I was diagnosed in 2005, June 17th. And I, you know, I've been on the job market. I wanted to end my life because I was being rejected. I, and because I identified with my false identity, I thought I had no value. So any of us who feel like we're broken, um, or we have no value, we feel diminished. It's because we're identifying with our false identity. Cause the truth is we are this gorgeous, radiant being of yes. light. Yes. That's and right. Love. Mm-hmm. So, so anyhow, I, I wanted to end my life and I even made a wish um, that I would get cancer instead of having to end my life because my uncle had taken his life that February. So this was in, in June. And I had seen what a indelible hole it had left in my heart. And I didn't want to do the same thing to my parents. And so I made a wish. And I made a wish because I wasn't spiritual at the time. I didn't believe in God. I was still the atheist academic at the time Mm -hmm. Um, because I hadn't experienced God or if I had experienced it I had discounted it so much that I hadn't let in the possibility that it could be real Um, and so I uh, made a wish that I would get cancer so I could make an easy exit from the world and Mm not have to hurt my family but Mm -hmm. I could at least get out of here Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and the amazing thing is right after I wished for it I don't think it was even a week later, I think it was only days later, two days even, wow. I was diagnosed with cancer. So my wish came true. Oh, my gosh. I know. And when I got into the hospital, I was met with this amazing outpouring of love from the nurses, even from my sister, uh, who was a cancer survivor herself. Mm. And with that outpouring of love, I felt an outpouring of love that I started to internalize. I started to realize my value. And I think the thing that really... Um, solidified that that need for for genuine self-love was um, a message that I received from my mentor from graduate school. It was an email message while I was doing treatment, chemo treatment. Sadly, I did chemo treatment. Um, it was really, really harsh, and I will never do it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, there are better ways to heal cancer today that I do know of, which is to eat healthy, think you know, loving thoughts, mm-hmm. people loving thoughts, right. you know, to drink healthy water, to live in a healthy environment, to, you know, lower these toxins in our, envir- in our, you know, bodies. Right. Um, and another way to help us heal from cancer is to focus on building energy in our bodies and letting that energy heal ourselves. Yes. So, you know, eating high energy foods from out of the box, um, and, and doing the meditation, doing the yoga, um, thinking positive, mm-hmm. you know, or loving, peaceful thoughts about yourself and others. These are ways we can build our energy and use it to heal ourselves. Right. Sunlight, taking in sunlight. Yes. yes. Yeah, sun is so powerful. I'm just learning how powerful <laughs> the sun is. So, so you got this email from a mentor, you said, uh, at school. Yes. Yeah. In the email. My mentor said, look, Wendy, because I had no money at the time, right? Because I'd applied to all these jobs. I hadn't landed any. So in the email, she said, look, Wendy, I'd be happy to buy you a year of medical insurance or to help you in any way. Please let me help you. And as soon as I read her email, 
I felt the tumor energy leave my chest. Wow. And I called her and I said, Phoebe, the tumor energy has left my chest. You, I don't have cancer anymore. And she said, well, how do you know that? You haven't done a CT scan. And, of course, she's a scientist. And I'm a scientist. But I'm, a, I'm now, a, you know, a mystical scientist. <laughs> ah, that's a good word for me, a mystical scientist. So she said, well, how do you know it's disappeared? You haven't done a CT scan yet. I said, okay. So I had my CT scan three weeks later. And indeed, the cancer had completely vanished from my body. So wow. what what Phoebe did for me was she validated my self-worth. So when she said, look, I'm going to pay for your cancer treatment when I had no money, no one, no one else in my family had offered to help me out, even though they had the means, I, um, oh, but I should add, my sister and her husband at that time did offer to pay for my health care in the hospital mm. so I did have family who who helped me and it was because of their generosity that my life um, was saved because the chemo that I did in that first um, chemotherapy session really did seem to help mm. and so really did do something but you know after a while it was like I don't need any more chemo let's get off this my cancer's already disappeared why are we doing this mm-hmm. um and unfortunately, I stayed on chemo even after my cancer had disappeared because my family believed that that was important. But I really didn't want to do any more because I knew I was healed. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. thing that healed me was self-love. Yes. It was Phoebe's unconditional love. You yes. know, here was someone who wasn't even related to me who was trying to help me in the way I needed to be helped, saying, you are worth it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, if Phoebe thinks I'm worth it, she has nothing to gain from helping me, then I must really have be worth it. I must be worth joy. Yeah. Yeah. And we're all worth joy. I'm just a symbol of you. Right. And if, if I can do it, you can too, right? That's right. That's right. right. Yeah. So that's, so that's why I wrote a book called The Gift of Cancer, Turn Your Tragedy into a Treasure. And in that book, I not only share this story, but every chapter has an inspirational quote in it. It has illustrations in it. And um, the... I would say the first 80% of the book has been proven to increase happiness. Uh-huh. And that's aside from the happy ending. So you know the book is bound to uplift your mood, right? Happiness yeah. and the happy ending. It just gets happier. <laughs> and then um, the other thing that's so cool about the book, what else? Oh, as I present um, the I Can Heal framework, key aspects of it in that book. And I want to share with you what those three aspects are. Can I do that? Yeah, but let's do that right after the break. So we're going to take a little break. Uh, I'm talking to Dr. Wendy Trainer, and she's an author and a healer and speaker, and she travels all over the world, and we're really pleased to have her here. Uh, We'll be right back. Uh, This is Evolve, and I'm Robin White Turtle-Listening. Evolve. Nurturing the new in consciousness, the arts, and culture with your host, Robin White Turtle Lisney. Evolve brings you people and ideas on the cutting edge of change, opening the shells of the past to move our culture into the now. We are all in great need of sustainable ideas for change. Evolve brings you the wise, the foolish, and the heart-based to help us meet the challenges of our times. Join us the third Thursday of the month at 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Evolve. Hi, this is your host for Evolve, Robin White Turtle Lisney, and I wanted to share with you a few of the other things that I do in the world beside the radio show. In addition, I'm an energy medicine practitioner in the Bay Area and across the country by phone, and I work uh, through East West Bookshop in Mountain View, California, so you can always find me there on Fridays. In addition, I have uh, five books. Four of them are nonfiction, and one is a fiction book uh, that's actually based on facts called Poems for the Lost Deer. The other books are Heart Path, Heart Path Handbook, and prior to that, Sacred Living and Dancing Up the Moon. Um, my recent, more recent books, Heart Path and Heart Path Handbook, uh, teach people self-love, and this is the foundation of my practice, that love does heal all things. You can find out more uh, about my work on my website, www.thecenterforthesoul.com. And uh, you can also check out the books on www.bluebonebooks.com. And now we'll go back to the show. 
The music today is by Claudia Vieja, Entre Nos. This is Dr. Robin White Turtle Listney, and the show is Evolve, and I'm talking to Dr. Wendy Trainer, who is a speaker, an author, and a healer, and a coach, and a teacher. She does all kinds of wonderful things. She weaves science and spirit into a work, into uh, her work and programs. She's been featured on Psychology, in Psychology Today, Success Magazine, and on CBS TV in the United States. She's a cancer survivor and a thriver, and has presented uh, worldwide for over 10 years uh, and uh, all over U.S. and on Google and everything. So welcome back, Wendy. It's so nice to have Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and I should qualify. You know, I have been presenting all over the world for over 10 years. And the, the work that I did 10 years ago, uh, which would be 2000. Six. It'd be over ten years ago. I was presenting when I was on the job market. I was presenting in Australia. Uh, and I presented uh, after I hadn't landed any jobs. I presented at Berkeley. Later, I presented at UCLA. Mm-hmm. So, and I presented. I co-presented uh, with Francis Steen and um, his associates at University of Santa Barbara. So, oh, and I presented the University of. Mm, I think it's called the University of. Sydney, I presented there too, uh-huh. and those were, you know, so 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 those talks that I was doing over ten years ago uh, was before the I Can Heal framework, but those were talks that were based on my research that showed a, this is very interesting that showed a correlation that I did not predict between um, cynicism, our beliefs about the untrustworthiness of of human behavior, right? That's what cynicism is. Cynicism and untrustworthy behavior. Mm. And so that was the work I did my dissertation on, and it was called, Are the Most Mistrustful the Least Trustworthy? And that's what we found, and we were able to replicate it again and again. Yeah, and what's amazing is that finding, the idea that our beliefs predict our behaviors, is entirely consistent with spiritual teaching. Because they say that, you know, it's our consciousness, um, it's our beliefs that are creating our reality right because we are consciousness and so whatever we believe is true is going to be our truth so you might as well have faith in yourself and the possibilities and then you can actually live them and 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 to add to that more science i can throw in there Uh is um when i was in graduate school i was doing research with phoebe ellsworth who was the woman who had offered to pay for my health care and she um developed something called appraisal theory and did research with Craig Smith showing that what we think is linked to what we feel. So it goes again Uh back to the idea that we're consciousness. So whatever we believe, we're believing, if we're thinking grateful thoughts, we're going to be feeling grateful feelings, right? If we're thinking cynical thoughts, we're going to be feeling negative feelings. So you might as well shift your thinking in such a way that gives you good feeling yeah but you also want to stay connected to what's true and I also talk about the importance of um of distinguishing between let's see well I make this analogy with a bow imagine Mm -hmm. you're an archer okay Mm -hmm. and you have a bow with an arrow and so you use the bow of awareness to aim uh the arrow of perception on the target of emotion that you want. So if you want to feel good and you're driving along and someone cuts you off in traffic, you use your bow of awareness to aim your perception. Oh, uh, instead of thinking what a jerk, you think, oh, they must be pregnant or their wife is pregnant or their partner's pregnant and they're going to the hospital. And now you can feel good and now you've just put the arrow in the bullseye of positive emotion. So now we're happy. 
Yes. So I do that all the time. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know if you know BKS Ian Garb, but yes, he wrote a book and he's a great soul. Yes. And he wrote a book and he talked about, you know, when we meditate, do yoga, because again, yoga is a form of meditation. We're expanding the space between, uh, between thoughts. Or he was saying, you know, in our awareness, when we do yoga, we are creating more space between when something happens and when we respond to it. So instead of reacting, now we have time to think about how we want to respond. And because, you know, I'm a yoga practitioner, a meditation practitioner, I've created that space in my life, and you can create it in yours too, so that when things happen, uh, like someone cuts me off in traffic, I will use that space to reappraise the situation in such a way that creates positive or peaceful emotion. Yeah. And you can do it too. Oh, yeah. That's so exciting. Well, it's now, so exciting. So I want to talk more about your I Can Heal framework because you said there sure. were three, part, three parts to yeah, it. There's three parts I'd like to share. There's yeah. actually more to it. Mm-hmm. But three really awesome, exciting things I think I can describe in our time together. So I'm going to start with something called the identity shift explanation of the peer pressure process and overcoming unwanted social influence. That's a really long title. So Mm -hmm. let's just call it the identity shift effect. Mm -hmm. And this is part of the framework. And what it does is it explains why good people um, can turn to bad, even though non-duality, right, is the truth. In the human world, we are having uh, this experience of pain and pleasure and good and bad. Mm -hmm. So, So in the human world, if we're in a situation and we're being asked to do something that betrays our heart by a group, Maybe we're at work, maybe we're on the playground, maybe we're on the battlefield, maybe we're in the boardroom. But when you're in a social setting and everyone's doing the wrong thing that betrays the truth of your being, of your soul, of your heart, and they're asking you to participate, what are you going to do? Well, Socrates, you know, if if you read Socrates uh, in Plato, right, back, back in Plato, Plato's book about him, Socrates said, you know, almost no man will stand up for the truth because once you do, basically Socrates said, you know, it's over, mm-hmm. that they will destroy you. Mm-hmm. And, but Socrates chose to stand up for the truth in spite of what, you know, people who had turned to what I would call darkness thought. And, uh, and Socrates has been my, one of my heroes all my life. You know, I thought that is so inspiring that he stood up for the truth. So I've tried to do the same thing. I've tried to stand up for the truth mm-hmm. and not let darkness overshadow the light of truth yes. in my heart and the hearts of humanity. Right. So, 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 yeah. So even though, you know, there's temptation to go along with these people that we would never go along with or want to go along with, I can explain to you as a scientist why that temptation exists. Yeah. And it's a discovery that I made as a scientist standing on the shoulders of other researchers in my field. So can I share that? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, great. So um, I'll preface it by saying that this discovery is not only validated by my experience, um, but it's also validated by um, the logical theory that I created, which combined two foundational theories in my field into one overarching theory. Mm -hmm. So... Um, it is based on work by Leon Fessinger, who is a, a big, big wig in my field, who's no longer with us, but he was a brilliant thinker and researcher. And um, so I credit you, Leon. <laughs> but here we go. So if you find yourself in a social context where people are doing the wrong thing, okay, and they, um, they say, hey, you, do what we say. And you don't want to do it because you don't want to betray love, right? You want to be the love that you are. As a human, you may feel the threat of social rejection for failing to conform to the group. Well, I really want to go along with my heart, but if I don't do what they tell me to, they might humiliate me, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, so, So that is a form of social rejection, public social rejection, which is a scathing emotional experience. So many of us will, uh, and again, you know, there's research by Solomon Ash um, that showed that up to a, a third of people 
would conform to a false answer in a group setting. Mm. And why did that happen? Well, I propose it's because of, you know, fear of humiliation. So anyway, so, so the thing is, step one is, there's three steps, one, two, three. Step one is fear of humiliation will lead us, or many of us, maybe a third of us, we have to do that research to find out, to go along with the group when it betrays our heart. Step two is if you have now conformed to a toxic group standard, mm-hmm. um, now you have exchanged, in effect, social rejection for self-rejection because now you've just violated your own standards of what is good, right, and true. Right. I know, and that's excruciating, mm-hmm. right? You think, what would my kids think? What would my partner think? Right? What would my parents think? So, or what would my friends think if they knew what I just did at work? So then, um, that is so excruciatingly painful. But that then, the people who've gone through this process will go through a third step called the identity shift, where we adopt the toxic group standards as our new lower self standards. We tell ourselves, "Oh, anyone in my position would do it," mm-hmm. and then. Now it's insidious because now we accept ourselves because we're measuring ourselves by lower standard. We used to be here, but now we're saying evil's okay. And not only are we accepting ourselves for doing dark deeds, but also the social group is accepting us for doing dark deeds. And so there's no conflict. And so the sky's the limit with the evil or darkness we can do. So I I really feel that's a very important message to share so people can understand why good people can do really evil things uh, under group pressure and my hope is by building awareness of this process that we can um, inoculate people against being susceptible to it because Mm -hmm. once you know how it works when you see it you can say I see that and I'm not going to participate and there, there actually was a woman who posted a blog article several years ago saying that she'd heard about my theory and that it inspired her not to participate. Oh, that's so, so that I know it's making a difference. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, it reminds me of a study. Um, there was a social science, I don't know if he was a social scientist or a doctor or what he was, but he was observing the Nuremberg trials. And he, one of the things that was so challenging for him was the people that were on trial were ordinary people. Yes. They were just ordinary people. Yes. And they and in Goebbels, he said he looked at Goebbels and some of these other guys that were at the top ranks of the Hitler's regime, and a lot of them had huge inadequacy issues, and they were basically, you know, uh, being the wor- their worst self in this whole reality of fascism. And he was... He was absolutely, utterly shocked at how normal they looked. How yes. they they didn't have horns coming out of their ears or any yes. of that stuff. They were just normal people that had a uh, were caught up in this. That's not to excuse anything that happened, oh. but it was a huge reality check for him. Yes. I think it was like Eric Butterworth or somebody like that. But okay. anyway, he was amazed at what he recognized there that he is me and if i lower if i could if he can lower his standards like that i can lower mine and it it just sent a shockwave through his work it's a shockwave yeah yeah and can i can i add to this absolutely take it up an octave because this is amazing this that you're even bringing it up two things one is because what it speaks to is that the line between good and evil is not us and them. It's within ourselves. Yes, yes, Right? Absolutely. There is no bad outside us. No. We as individual beings have to make the right choice. Just yes. like Gandhi said, be the change you, you that you seek, yes, right? right. And so, so remember that when you point your finger, which probably, you know, everyone's enlightened enough listening here not to do, but if you point your finger to someone saying they're evil yeah. remember no it's the line between <laughs> the evil lies within each of our souls or right. within, not in our souls but in, in within our minds within us right. so so and then two other things to add to what you were saying about the Nuremberg trials which is it really was the holocaust 
and my own experience working in corporate America, bless everyone in corporate America, I know you're good people, um, but I've said a bad experience, and um, where I was being rejected for being who I am, right. and and where I was, you know, I had to endure bullying and harassment, intimidation, humiliation, threats, ostracism. Um, and it was very hard because I was living in a state where I didn't know anyone. So it was Wendy against, you know, the corporation. And, right. and ultimately, I'm glad I made the right choice. I crossed that line within myself or I didn't cross the line within myself. I stayed in truth and I quit that job and I moved back to California, which is where I'm from. Um, so that was one of the reasons that I studied this was because I wanted to understand my own experience because what haunted me was the day before I quit my job, I felt the temptation to conform to the group just so they wouldn't keep harassing me every day. Yeah. Right? And I thought, oh, my God, if I would feel temptation to conform, I'll probably anyone would feel temptation to conform because my heart wants to do good. And the truth is all of our hearts really do want to do good. We sometimes don't realize that we have a choice, and that's part of what – we're making uh, people aware of right now is that we really do have a choice. We always have a choice, even if we don't think we do. And what's even more amazing is it wasn't just my work experience that inspired me to do this research. It was also the Holocaust. And precisely for the same reason that you just described, uh, where you say this Eric Butterworth noted that these people on trial were totally ordinary. And that's what made it all the more haunting and hideous, and I had the same insight because my grandfather, um, through my mother's side, he's of German descent, and I thought, how, and he's, he wasn't Jewish, and I thought, how could he murder these people? Like, he wasn't in, he was in the United States at the time of the Holocaust, but the fact, you know, it's my grandfather, he's German, and it was the non-Jewish Germans who were, right, allowing the murder to happen, so... I said, how could my granddad do, do this? Mm-hmm. I want to know. And uh, so it was, it was that. It was, those were the two inspirations for this research. And I decided, you know, I want to be an expert. I want to solve this problem. I might want to make a difference in the world during my life. And I dedicated, you know, over, I mean, I'll just say 10 years. It was about a decade, probably more. Um, but I was in graduate school for only four years or three, actually less than four years. I got my PhD. But but after graduate school, my mind was blown open, and I was still solving all the problems and writing the theory and connecting the dots. So I would say, you know, it was over a decade of research. And then if you put in my experience there at that first job after college, I was I started when I was 18, 19, 21 years old. Yeah. So uh, now I'm 41. Excuse me, 20 years to not only, you know, to decide to solve the problem, to solve the problem, and how to share the solution. So that's wow. been my life journey, and it's an honor to, to be in divine service, yes. right? Because I really believe it's God-given that I was even able to see the connections and yes. to be able to, to to see the connections and to stay in the game. You know, mm-hmm. I almost bowed out right before I had my cancer diagnosis. Yeah, but before you even got started, and now exactly. look what you're doing. It's amazing. And now I'm here. Yeah. And if I can do it, you can too. Absolutely. So we'll turn, we'll turn every tragedy into a treasure, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, we're going to be back. Um, I'm with Dr. Wendy Trainer. She is um, a social psychologist, a speaker, author, coach, and healer. And she teaches uh, science and spirit into her work and her programs. She's been on all kinds of um, uh, CBS TV, Psychology Today, Success Magazine. Uh, and we'll be right back. I'm Robin White Turtle Lisney, and the show is Evolve. Evolve. Nurturing the new in consciousness, the arts, and culture with your host, Robin White Turtle Lisney. Evolve brings you people and ideas on the cutting edge of change, opening the shells of the past to move our culture into the now. We are all in great need of sustainable ideas for change. Evolve brings you the wise, the foolish, and the heart-based to help us meet the challenges of our times. Join us the third Thursday of the month at 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Evolve.
we're back. Uh, I'm with Dr. Wendy Trainer. This is Robin White Turtle Disney, and she is a speaker, author, coach, and healer. And uh, she's been on TV and uh, in different magazines. She's a social scientist who's teaching people about self-love. And welcome back. Thank Dr. you. Trainer. Yeah. So um, we were talking uh, uh, over the break about a friend of mine who I just went to visit. And I wanted to share it with people because it's such a remarkable story. A friend of mine was in a terrible car accident recently. And so I went to see her at the rehab center today. And, you know, she's got a neck brace on. She's got probably 10 or 15 breaks in her body, ribs broken, everything. And I walk in and she goes, Robin, i got to tell you, I'm seeing miracles every day. <laughs> and I was so touched. And, you know, here she's, she's a mess. You know, she's got all this stuff going wrong. But then she said you know, I get to just lay here and pray for people. Do you know what happened? Our, my neighbor, I got to pray for, that she could sleep last night. I just feel like, and, and somebody else called me, and I sent prayers to her, and she's healing. And I, she was so positive about her horrific condition that she's healing faster than anybody would ever imagine a 78-year-old could, could heal. And it's just exciting to see, you know, what self-love and what her positive attitude, her presence with herself is doing. It's just amazing. But I had, amazing. I had to share it with you because, you know, this is the kind of miracle thing that you're talking it about. Is. is like, here she is. is. She's a miracle worker just laying there doing That's her it. thing, you know, healing. So, anyway. That's it. Yeah. Uh, I love it. And can I add to what you're saying? Absolutely. Which is is we are miracles. And the miracles start happening when we realize that life is a miracle and that we are miracles. You know, they say we are sparks of the divine. And and it was that realization. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I remember going through chemo treatment. And I was like, what if we really are sparks of the divine? You know, it was like, Mm -hmm. what if that could be true? And, And I think Robin and I are here to tell all our listeners, (laughs) it isn't just an idea, it's actually true. Yes, yes. We are that. Yes, And you are that. Mm -hmm. That's right. We are Sparks of Divine Fire. So I want to hear more about your process because the I Can Heal framework sounds so exciting. Um, Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and you you were talking about the three different parts of the realization of ourselves and how we how we actually lose consciousness in certain areas when there's peer pressure negative peer pressure so how are you like tell me about some of the projects you're working with or how are you doing this you're doing workshops and seminars and interviews and you've got a couple books happening and and you're going to be at east west uh in mountain view coming up in california i'm so excited i'll be there on the uh, 17th and 18th of December, uh-huh. and I'll, I'll give you the exact times if you want that. Absolutely, I'll be there yeah. at 7.30 p.m., Saturday, December 17th. Uh-huh. Reclaim your happiness, your freedom, yourself, okay? And that is complimentary to all people, but you need to call ahead and reserve your seat because the seats will fill up. And then for Sunday, December 18th, then we have a whole afternoon 1 to 4 p.m., we're doing a self-mastery workshop, um, and it will be $45 through to register through December 17th, but $55 the day of, mm-hmm. and um, that will be amazing also. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. great. So you teach self-mastery to people through your longer seminars. and Exactly. Right? Uh, what I'll be doing on, okay, well, my guidance, you know, it's fun, because I am a... <laughs> On divine service, I have my guidance, my my higher self or soul knows things, and it's telling me what to not talk about and what to talk about. So I'm okay. hearing, don't talk about what's going on on Saturday. Okay. You will come and find out. Okay. Check out the East West Bookstore uh, website, and you will see it, the description right there. Right. Or I can read it to you. You want me to read it to you? Oh, uh, they can check it out on the website. Okay. So it's okay. it's uh, eastwestbookshop.org, I believe. So Yeah, yeah. dot org. Okay. Yeah. And you have a website, too, isn't that right? I do. And it's really simple. It's ICanHeal.org or .com. They're both pointed to the same place. So you can do ICanHeal.com, 
you'll find me. I can heal that org, you'll find me. Mm-hmm. I can heal that net, you can join our movement. I've created a global movement um, with now we've over 3,400, I believe, members through Facebook um, from all over the world. Lots of women from Pakistan, bless all the women in Pakistan. And it's a movement about self-love. And and what we say is um, you can heal yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually, and socially through self-love. And if if, if all these women in Pakistan love it, you will too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that kind of leads into other projects that you're working on. Um, Are you, do you have other things happening? Tell tell us about that. Yeah. Um, So I have this initiative, which is to give um, for every corporate talk that I give, Okay, because I do keynotes as well as these seminars and workshops. For every corporate talk I give on happiness and, and integrity, right, self-empowerment, uh, I give one talk back to people in the community who do not have the financial means to attend my workshops. Wonderful. So it is wonderful. And I had a deep connection with people uh, who live without homes uh, at least for the last 10 years, mm. uh, I have a lot of friends who are uh, homeless, and I I just got a text from one of them today that I can't wait to read. I haven't read his yet, but they, even if they're homeless, they do have cell phones. I mean, I went to this homeless dinner, and there are a lot of uh, people there. Most of the people I met at the homeless dinner had college degrees, by the way. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so my, my goal right now is to match my talks one for one with homeless community talks. That's my goal. And I'm in I'm in dialogue right now with my friend Christopher who just texted me about doing a talk with his group on we meet on Wednesday nights. I haven't been there for for really a long time, but mm-hmm. I hope to speak to them. Um, and then another person I'm in contact with is um, a beautiful soul who runs a radio show on public radio network prn mm-hmm. he works with homeless people in la and he said that he would uh, hook me up to speak to um his homeless friends oh, so so that's um an initiative a one-for-one initiative where for every corporate talk i give i give one to the homeless wow so that's, we'll see if my energy can keep up with it but yeah. i'll do it for as long as i can that's fantastic i love that idea yeah yeah so Tell me about some of your plans for the future. What is what is your vision here? Ah, what's I, my vision? You want to hear, hear my vision? I mean, I have, I have no idea what's going to happen because it's every day, you know, I, I, I do my meditation and I get what I call downloads from the universe or downloads from my soul or from, you know, God or the God aspect of ourselves. So I'm, I'm just, you know, in divine service following what I'm, I'm being given to do, um, but you know, what I think I want to do, hopefully the divine will, you know, work with me on it is, um, was to create, um, a training program where I can train other people like you, um, to learn what I teach. And then you could become a certified, I can heal trainer. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if you don't want to give workshops, you want to just coach people where I could certify you to do I can heal therapy, and then you can use the theory to help uh, unpack other people's psychology troubles so they can find uh, the truth and then feel the love and joy they are again. So so those are uh, two initiatives. These are Wendy's ideas of what she wants to do, but we'll see what, you know, Spirit says. Um, and what else? You know, just doing more talks. I'm going back to London in January. I'm giving a talk at Watkins Esoteric Bookshop. Oh, great. Yeah, that'll be divine. Um, and then I'm really excited, too. In, in January, I'm going to Ireland, and I'm giving a, a workshop uh, or a seminar to a group of people uh, who do A Course in Miracles. Oh. And I'll be sharing the science, the social science, that lines up with A Course in Miracles teachings. Oh, how so exciting. We, yes, yeah. science and spirit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that'll be fun. Oh, great. So now tell us more, a little bit more about your books and then... Uh, sure. Yeah. 
All right. So, uh, so I've already told you that the Gift of Cancer book uh, has the first 80% has been proven to increase happiness and it has a happy ending. So it's bound to uplift your mood, right? Mm-hmm. That's important. You can find that book at giftofcancer.com. Uh, that will just take you to the link at Amazon, giftofcancer.com. And um, that book, I call it an inspirational self-help memoir adventure. <laughs> and so it will, uh, it should tickle you. And here I can read you what uh, the honorable and distinguished Professor Dacker Keltner, who uh, is speaking at East West Bookshop, um, I can give you his dates. He is beloved of my heart. He's a wonderful uh, speaker and teacher who's won many awards. He uh, mentored me when I was at Berkeley, and um, he is the founder of the Greater Good um, in Berkeley. He'll be presenting at East West Bookshop on Friday, December 9th at 7.30 p.m., uh, $15, and then through December 8th, $20 day of. And um, he's just an amazing, beautiful soul. And he said about my book, The Gift of Cancer, quote, wise, deep, touching, and funny, honest, and uplifting, will empower and enlighten you. Mm-hmm. So that was a very beautiful thing of him to say. Yeah. yeah. And here's another quote from another amazing author who's from uh, the UK. I mean, not originally, but he he has his um, practice in London or uh, London area, England. And his name is Derek Mills. He wrote an amazing book. Oh, my God. Uh, I have to remember the title of his book. It's so good. Um, and it's it's brilliant. It's all about truth. Um, so I'll have to look that up. But his he said about my book that it's beautiful and a gift. Mm-hmm. And let me look up the title of his book right now because it's such a good book. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who's suffering at work or who feels like a victim is going to read his book um, and yeah, find joy and empowerment. He like me. He's teaching happiness and empowerment okay so his name is Derek Mills he calls himself the standards guy and his book is called the 10 second philosophy it's a lovely 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 book and really his book is about getting people back into the present moment Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's a beautiful book. Okay. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah, it is fantastic. Yeah. Now, should I switch to my other book? Yeah, yeah. Tell please tell one? us about your other book because that's oh, sure. also available. Yeah, it's also mm-hmm. available. Okay, so my other book is called <clears throat> Towards a General Theory of Social Psychology. And that book is a little more scientific, but it's written in such a way that even teenagers, uh, even nine-year-olds, can understand it. Wow. I, I think I even had a nine-year-old uh, read that book and tell me it was all right. <laughs> so, but I definitely had a teenager read it, and she liked it. So let's look. Let's look at what people are saying about that book. Yeah. Hold on. I'm. I'm actually going to now just go to my own website and read what people have written about that book. And okay. You, so and here you, it is. Your yeah. website once again is. Oh, it's iCanHeal dot com. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's iCanHeal. C-O-M. Yeah. Okay, so James Cox, who is editor-in-chief of the Midwest Book Review, says that this book, quote, presents many intriguing ideas about the human mind and how most people tend to behave towards a general theory of social psychology is a highly intriguing and entertaining read, sure to give both psychology students and non-specialist general readers much to think about. And, and then here's another fun quote from Ali Neshadi of Reader Views. He says, a strong, insightful offering from an ambitious young academic, an intriguing and thought-provoking read. Trainer's theory is fresh, exciting, highly recommended. And the theory is the I Can Heal framework, um, even though in that book I hadn't um, – uh, labeled it that yet. Mm-hmm. Now, now here's another lovely quote from John Tower, mm-hmm. who also just published a book um, last year. I should look up the name of his book. Um, he's a he's a he would you know he he's a lovely man, and he's in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and he was he's also a student of Dacker Keltner, just like me. So his mm-hmm. book is called 
why less is more for wasps, which is W-O-S-P-S. Well-intentioned, over-involved sports parents, colon, how to be the best sports parents you can be. So he talks, it's very funny. And I mean, I actually haven't read his book yet, but the cover is very funny. And John is just a beautiful spirit. And um, I'm sure his book is incredible. And I do need to read your book, John. And I will do that. I promise. Well, okay. That's fantastic. Well, uh, Wendy, I'm so excited to have had this interview today. Uh, I've been speaking with uh, Dr. Wendy Trainer, who's a speaker, author, coach, and healer, and she teaches the I Can Heal method of self-love. And uh, Wendy, I think we're soul connected for sure. Yay! <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for for taking the time to be in this interview and she's going to be at East West Bookshop coming up really soon uh, on December 17th at 7:30 and a, a workshop on the 18th. You can look at the East West website for more information or her website which is icanheal.com. All right, thank you so much Wendy. Great to talk to you. Thank you, Robin. Okay, this is Robin White Turtle Listening, and the show is Evolve. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Carasella. Please join us next time for Evolve with Robin White Turtle Listening, Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m.